0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where tonight's going to be a very interesting night, as it is each and every single week here at Talk Junkies. Uh, I typically save this for the end of the podcast, but tonight, um, I just want to kind of put it in front, you know. Um, If you're watching this podcast, one thing that really helps this podcast is if you guys just hit the like button, because that's how YouTube works. I know every channel says it, every major podcaster says it please just hit the like button. I'm not, I really don't care if you share it. That'd be cool. But if you hit that like button, it just helps us with the algorithms to spread Talk Junkies out there. That would really help us out a lot. Appreciate you guys who are smashing that like button. But anyways, if you're interested in exoconsciousness, talking or talking or to aliens or anything that involves aliens, then you definitely need to tune into last week's podcast with Rebecca Hardcastle-Wright. It was a fantastic podcast. We went over it for a little bit over an hour. I think it was an hour and 17 minutes of just... Some of it was you know, her and her experiences with exoconsciousness, and then a lot of it was also AI and its impacts on the future and what we really think AI is, at least in Rebecca's uh, terms and ideas. So definitely check out last week's podcast. Check her book out on Amazon. Great book. Um, but tonight, tonight is going to be a fantastic night because we have a very interesting guest coming on. He's been on the show multiple times. He's an author of multiple books. We have his third book just came out right in the middle of our table. Check it out. It's called the conservative Gene. Again, what Mike talks about, and Mike Anderson is joining the show today and thank you, Mike. what he talks about is so important because everything that's going on right now is very tribalistic. And there's no better person to bring on to talk about that. Mike Anderson, welcome to talk junkies, man.
1: Thanks for having me. Good to see you. You too. How you doing, man? Good. Very nice. what's the, sh- the shooting range yesterday?
0: Very cool. Hopefully mm-hmm. those exist, you know, here in the near future. You can, uh, you can
2: afford rounds right now. That's kind of blowing my mind. Yeah. No joke. 10, bu- 10 bucks
1: for 50. Very cool. It's not bad.
0: Well, I don't know if you've w- seen, go ahead. Sorry.
1: I, my wife and I are going to rent a cabin in June in the Smoky Mountains. And I would never do that without taking a gun. Yeah, because, man. Because there's no other structure within sight. I mean, it's just like a cabin and, you're surrounded by trees. And so just to be safe, you take your gun.
0: That's right. That's what's uh, beautiful about being an American. Fortunately, Uh there are a few States where you're not allowed to bring your gun unless you register it before you enter that state, but that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about your book today, man. Like Mike, you've been working extremely hard on these books and we've had fantastic podcasts with you before. You're the first author we ever had on talk junkies and we appreciate that. Um, What were your thoughts on writing this particular book, The Conservative Gene? And what was the most probably interesting thing you found out
1: about The Conservative Gene? Well, um, let's, I want you to, you guys to think about something before I get started, because I told you in an email that one of the reasons I wanted to come on is to address a topic that Jesse brought up in a prior uh, podcast where he would basically, he was upset about the difference between the right and the left. And if it's, it was, I don't know, you're expressing unhappiness about it because if the two groups are so different, they think differently and they can't get together, then this is all a waste of time. So I want to address that issue specifically after I talk about the book a bit. Sure. Um, as you know, the first book is The Progressive Gene. I wrote that book basically because I want to understand how the left thinks because I'm, I'm a conservative. Uh, I'm not really a Republican, um, but I'm a conservative. And so, and I have I'm a genetic, genetic conservative. I, was, I'm, I have some of the traits that all conservatives share that I was born with, but I wanted to understand the left. So I, because they think differently. And so I thought, well, if I think this, why don't they? So that's why I wrote that book. Um, And then I was going to write, I thought, well, if I'm going to talk about the left, I'm going to talk about the right. I'm going to write a book on the conservatives, the conservative gene. And the the way gene comes in this, and you guys know this because we've talked about it, is that political morality is partly genetic. I mean, it's been shown to be up to 50% inherited so the people who have a conservative genetic makeup uh, tend to be conservative doesn't mean they always are because the other 50% is the environment you grow up in so you could your environment could influence you to be more liberal but it's 50% genetic so um that's why I wonder that's where the gene comes in. That's why the conservative um, progressive gene was written. That's why the conservative gene is written because it's to relate the political views to um, genetics basically, and to lay out for people, the fact that that difference exists because in political arguments over the past decades, and maybe you know academics know this but nobody really talks about it is the fact that the right and left argue that the other side's wrong and my point is that neither is wrong they're just different they have to learn how to get together get along together so i was halfway through the conservative gene and all this tribalism came up and i interacted with some academic types that um know we're writing about and discussing tribalism so i thought it was more important to write the tribalism book because that was a here and now issue that was that's in front of all of us everybody lives it every day there are families that are split on politics don't talk to each other anymore you know parents don't talk to their kids whatever it's crazy so that's why i wrote that book and then what was left to write was to finish the conservative gene so What makes the conservative gene different than the others is, you know, with each book, I've done more research into the causes for political morality. And one of the things I talk about in the conservative gene that the other books don't talk about is this genetic factor. And I talk about the research that's been done verifying biological differences between conservatives and liberals. For example, they've done... Uh, tests and looked at the brains of conservatives and liberals and their brains are different. You know, so it's not just attitude. Their brains are different. The conservatives have, there's a part of the brain called the amygdala, which is basically, you don't have to worry about how it works or anything, except that that's the location where the fight or flight decision gets made when a person's in a scary situation. You're walking out a dark alley, somebody shows up with a knife, you know, immediately got to decide, what am I, what am I going to do? We're going to run away, freeze, fight. What am I going to do? That takes place in the amygdala and that overrides all thought process. It's like an innate functionality that goes way back. Um, Most animals have it. And it takes control. It's kind of like the same thing that happens when you touch a hot stove. You know, you, your fingers touch a stove and your, your hand moves away. Well, your brain didn't tell it to do that. It's a reflex to, to protect yourself. So the amygdala makes, you know, pumps adrenaline throughout your body and makes, drives the decision to do one or the other of those things to save your life. So conservatives have a bigger one than liberals do. Now, there's other parts of the brain that liberals have that are more, uh, let's say, more developed than conservatives. And one of those in particular is the part of the brain that you use when you make choices. And liberals and progressives, they like having options and they like making choices. They don't like the status quo. Conservatives like the status quo. I'm good. Things don't need to change. I'm happy. Conservatives or liberals are restless and they want to see change and they like change. For example, liberals like to travel to foreign countries more than conservatives do because they like to experience new things. So there are these biological differences in liberals and conservatives that you can identify by looking at the brain. And there's also things like, um, I mean, they've done a, a tremendous amount of testing with questionnaires and stuff like that. And I'll talk about a little more about conservatives. Cause that's the book we're addressing here. Conservatives like uh, do not like change. They like the status quo and they like tradition. And so that's why conservatives, I mean, we've talked about, you know, moral politics previously, conservatives like, patriotism tradition authority and they're very loyal and sanctity is the other other principle that they that's important to them they venerate things that they value that are important so these are all traits that conservatives are stronger have stronger trait stronger traits than liberals do liberals like or care about caring and fairness they worry about inequality. They worry about poverty and things like that. So those are that's a simple explanation of the difference between the two. So um, the book talks about there's been four stages of um, conservative development in the history of man. Um, in back in the Stone Age, or you know when man first appeared on Earth, there were conservatives and liberals then but there was no politics. So the difference between the two was basically conservatives like things like to stay the same and liberals like things to change. So they had to work together, you know, cause the, the human grouping at that time was a tribe or a family grouping fit 10 to hundred people basically. And to work together, they had to compromise their different points of view in order to get along. and there's a term in, you know, so you may wonder, well, why, why would that happen in, bio, in nature? Why would nature make conservatives and liberals? It doesn't make any sense. But it's like, why are there tall people and short people? It's a spectrum of different political morality that exists because that's just the way it is. The balance of nature. Yeah, it's a balance of nature. There's a term I use in the book that and I don't want to you know, get too technical or confusing or anything, but it's, it's pretty easy to explain. It's called polymorphism. Polymorphism means that a gene can express itself more than one way. And a great example of this is eye color. Okay, so your eyes, people have brown eyes and blue eyes and green eyes. That's the same gene. It's just expressed differently. Because in nature, it developed to have variations. Another one is the fact that men are larger than women. That's polymorphism. They're both human beings, but one is larger than the other. So, but the point is polymorphism works on political morality. There's a uh, polymorphic genetic determinant that makes conservatives and liberals, just like I'm talking about these other, you know, eye color or or gender or whatever. So it's just a natural variation. Now, what's interesting about that is since, you know, if you look at each end of the spectrum, you guys see this when you read the news or watch the news or whatever, um, very right-wing conservatives are off the deep end, and so are very left-wing progressives. I mean, they have extreme points of views. They they tend to be very um, idealistic, um, following you know their own ideology, and they don't. Their ideology is not open to discussion because they have most strongly. People in the middle don't have a strong ideology, like you know, independents that vote they don't they're interested in they want government to work right and they're not m- married to like one or the other extreme point of view but the point the interesting point i'm trying to get to is we go back to the stone age if there was only conservatives or only liberals in a human group they could they wouldn't survive and because think about it if there were only conservatives they would never take risks and do anything new if they're only liberals they would take risks all the time and end up being killed so it turns out nature has figured out a way to to for man to adapt these differences in political morality so the group can work together so that's the compromise that the first human groups um had to develop in order to get along together it's almost as if
0: they didn't realize that that type of thing was happening at that point in time like no they had no idea they
1: just knew that you know this guy doesn't he keeps trying to do stuff that i don't agree with
0: and then he watches him and he takes that risk and then they find out how to build a house or build a build a wheel or you know what i'm saying whatever it was that's cool how that 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 nate or that balance works that you're talking about
1: but I use the example in the book. Like, let's say there's a hunting party, and the tribe has uh, conservative and liberal warriors in it, and so they're trying to decide where they're going to hunt. And the conservatives said, "I don't want to hunt here because we saw lions there last week," um, and the liberals said, "I, you know, I don't. I'm not worried about them. We should do it." So then they disagree, and then it goes to the chief or the head of the family or something, and he decides he's an older guy who, whose views they trust, and he says, no, I think it's safe, you should do it. Or, no, I'm not going to let you do it. So, But anyway, this whole compromise thing goes forward. Um, so then the next part of this conservative development is tradition. Because ancient man developed traditions, veneration for the dead, um, worship of the ancestors, um, worship of gods, all that stuff. Those are traditional, those are traditions that conservatives tend to be attracted to. Liberals aren't really as tradition oriented because they like change. They're opposed to too much tradition. So that's part two. Part three is the development of politics, conservative politics. And it's odd to think about, but until the Enlightenment, which is 1685 or 1650 to 1800, there really weren't any liberals running any government in the entire history of the world. Because when you think about it, Most of the um, nations were run by monarchs, kings, or generals, or whatever, who were always conservative types, because they were into tradition, they wanted their subjects to be loyal, they wanted to be accepted as authority figure, so they had more of the characteristics of a conservative than a liberal.
2: Well, you wouldn't want a liberal-minded individual like that during that time period, because it's almost contradicting... Because then that wouldn't allow them to flourish so much. They wouldn't just start giving over power or changing right. things so much. Right. Because if they change anything, then they'll probably lose their
1: position of power. Well, and I'm sure there were, um, you know, leaders of countries or, you know, um, states in, in, you know, the ancient world that maybe had liberal ideas like, um, I think we should give away grain to all the poor people, for example. But you couldn't the human society hadn't developed a point to a point where liberalism and fairness had had become part of society. That's really what came from the Renaissance. Because before that, life was just dog eat dog. I mean, you were born and you if you're a poor family, you probably didn't get away from that and you struggle to find a job I mean the rich people were born rich and lived rich and poor people didn't have a chance but what basically
0: what's interesting what's inser- what <clears throat> is interesting about that though is for for them during the enlightenment to get to the, the point where they were at they needed liberal they needed liberals or liberalism or prog- you know progressives and what's what, what my question would be is I think it's very interesting that most kings during that time genetically would have been conservative. I wonder how that, that played out. You know what I'm saying? Well, because if it's fifty percent genetics and we're not saying it's hundred percent, it's fifty percent. But for it to be that long that long of a period of time, they're genetically most likely
2: concerned. But he, he also said environment was the other fifty percent. And if you sure. have a strong enough environment like being a king back then, that probably is gonna outweigh some of the gene side of it, would be my assumption. Okay. I could well, be wrong. The on
1: other that. thing, Paul, is you could have a liberal king who can't implement his liberal ideas. Because of the structure because- they were in. Because of the structure they're in, right? Sure. Okay. Right. So, but, you know, to review the the uh, Enlightenment for a second, what the Enlightenment did was the awakening of human beings saying, going from group, because prior to the Enlightenment, you, either, you were in your own country or your own great race or your own language, and then there was the church. The church dominated everything. So it was religion and kings that, that ruled over people. People didn't have rights at all. So the enlightenment brought us to, no, I, don't, I think that's wrong. Uh, the individual is important. Individuals should have a right to determine their own future. And along with that enlightenment concept of the individual became capitalism. I should be able to start my own business. And if I work hard, maybe I can be successful. Um, Started science, the awakening of science, physics and chemistry and all that stuff, new inventions and technology never existed before. So those all were part of the awakening of the individual. Now, when people started looking at the individual being important, they started noticing that, well, there's some individuals that are suffering that, isn't it isn't right so we need to have laws to help those individuals or ways to you know build uh poor houses that people could live in so they don't die in the streets whatever and that that was a slow process because um things didn't really take off from the liberal side until the progressive era in 1870 basically you know mid mid 1800s um, which was after the Enlightenment was done. But um, so we've gradually gone from, you know, for most of the history of man's existence on Earth, a conservative type running everything to now it's like swung the other way. So it's never happened before that, that liberals have had so much influence like they do now. And it's more in the United States than in Europe. Um, this woke stuff is not, there really isn't woke stuff in Europe. I don't know if you guys realize that it's not around the world because there was a article last month or two, one of the French government leaders, minister of, I don't know, state or something said, you know, we don't want that woke stuff over here um, because everybody thinks the U S is going crazy with, you know, you can't say anything. Um, if you say, they're, I, I, first of all, free speech by the right is closed off. You can't express your views because they're wrong. And um, we have to be sensitive to everything we say about everyone or we're outcasts.
2: And, and it's not even so much that that's the big problem that I see. It's the problem that you can be prosecuted for something you said a very long time ago, even though you've changed as a person and your mentality yeah. has changed, but because now it's been documented on the internet and we can shine light on this one moment of you, regardless of who you are as a person now, whether or not you've changed, oh, but you did this back then, so we can prosecute you for this and completely ruin ruin your character, which, which you see happen quite a bit, mainly amongst celebrities because politicians wouldn't be so stupid to right. be so outspoken and have things on the internet like that from a long time ago. But no, that's just another thing too, that, that goes down that
1: alley. Well, that's, that's, and I, we're getting out a tangent here, which I'm going to get off of after I express my views on it. But the great fallacy is that the assumption that if things were done previously that are bad by today's standards, that makes them, that means we gotta do something about it. We gotta do reparations, we gotta do something. So, and that's your point. If someone was, um, I don't know, uh, forward with a girl 30 years ago, and we find out about it now, then that person loses their job or whatever. I mean, to me, what's important is that the human race is changing in a positive way. It's not that it was bad before. I mean, you can say slavery was bad, but you should also say we got rid of it because it was bad. Civil War was fought to get rid of it. So, um, I mean, it becomes a illogical argument because you can you could take this all the way back to the Stone Age. You could say, well, the Romans had slaves, or the Romans killed people indiscriminately, so they're bad. And I mean every there there's everybody was bad at any time in history when they did something that's no longer acceptable.
2: Right. It's, it's completely redundant in in a sense because everybody or, or even the sense of failing, even as not so much from uh, just a civilization standpoint, but more towards just the individual, like there's a bunch of people. And I would like to think the majority of them that learn through life from making mistakes and making yeah. an ass out of themselves or, you know, making stupid comments. And then that's how you learn socially anyway. It's almost yeah. like I, I just, yeah, that it comes down to the individual and the, and, and the civilization. You can't come, go back and then prosecute for way previous things said or done that, that weren't against the law. Like, obviously, like, oh, I killed somebody, you know, 10 years ago. You need to forgive me because I'm a different person now. I wouldn't kill again. And then they found out about the crime. That's not what I'm talking about. Just on, a, like, a moral On changing moral issues but
0: well and then let's bring it back to the early 1900s whenever the conservative or whenever the conservatives lost their reign on what it is you call the world um how did the conservative gene handle that in the early 1900s or the 1850s in your research and and do you talk about it in your book how the conservative gene actually you know handles that type of situation when that started happening
1: well here's the problem uh and and i mean we're correct in assuming that there's about probably 40% conservatives and 40% liberals, and then there's the rest are in between. And so there have always been conservatives. Um, The problem with conservatives, though, Paul, is that they are not fighters the way liberals are. Conservatives are happy to live their own lives. They're not passionate the way the left is. So they don't, I mean, when you see a common example to me is when and i'm calling republicans conservative for the sake of this example but the left is always criticizing uh republicans in congress for being mean you know like they they want to uh cut this this law down they want to take uh food away from kids or they want to uh, we we think we should give away a billion dollars for welfare, they want to cut to 500 million. So they're, they're cruel people, basically, is the narrative. Well, conservatives never react to that. They never say, oh, we're not cruel. And here's why. They just are passive. So they're not, they have allowed, I mean, I'm writing my fourth book now. And basically, what the fourth book is about is the fact that Never in history has have liberals had so much control over our society. Well They, they control they control the media, they control the universities, they control the internet. And now they control the narrative determining how we have to behave. And so there is no counteracting force to that. So when you hear when People hear the same dialogue, the same narrative over and over again. They're going to start thinking that's right.
0: So hold on, Jesse. I know you're about to dive in, but this is this is an important question because you talk about that the conservative the conservatives had such a foothold for such a long time, and now when you move into this to this uh, this movement where the liberals or the progressive gene has control for now, what has it been? Hundred and twenty,
1: hundred, almost two hundred years. Well, they, they haven't really had... I would say their control started with the New Deal with uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt. So in the 30s, okay, the Depression. Sure. So, I mean, it's... Basically, it's, so 190 years. When whatever. you talk about civilization
0: yeah. and, and for the amount of foothold that, they, that they're going to have, this is fairly new to them. And yeah. at, at probably the most important time in human history, which is always going to change because we talk about change, but right now in this moment, it's the most important. And you talk about those things, and is it a detriment to the conservative gene that they're passive, they don't want to do much about it, they just want to be left alone and they're not going to do much, is there a breaking point in the conservative gene where they're going to be like, you know what, I've had enough of this, we're going to do something about it, or is it inherent in the gene of conservatives to where the progressives are going to take foothold for an extremely long period of time?
1: Uh, Don't know the answer to that. I know that the conservatives, if they get mad enough, get stuff done. Okay, It's a question of getting that That's how
2: Donald Trump got voted in. You know, in a sense, at least that that's how I see it. It was a very quiet, very quiet, quiet conservative uh, folk that I wouldn't even say he's conservative, though. But it's conservatives that are voting that are voting for him, though. But you didn't really hear them speak out too much up until it came down to the actual voting. Right. But
1: well, they actually I mean, we've talked about this before. He got elected mainly because there was a large percentage of the American population that felt unrepresented. And those were blue collar, middle class people, white men, basically, who used to be union in unions and vote for Democrats and no longer have representatives. Because the the Democrats basically dropped that group in favor of the high tech group, you know, the Internet, uh, Silicon Valley group and, you know, liberal intellectuals over liberal blue blue color people. So Trump represented all those people have felt unrepresented.
0: But what did he really do to change anything that the progressive gene is actually accomplishing right now? Again, they've had their 70 or 90 years into the making. It's to me, I, I feel like the conservative gene has to has to make some sort of balance. And you talk about this balance of nature and where it hits 50%. But you just described how that's not the case right now. How much that they control such a small population or even just that side, it's insane. It's a large amount of, of things that are happening, at least in the Western world. Yeah, It's, it's overwhelming, especially yeah. for people who you know are in the middle, who don't really pick sides, or people who are conservative. I mean, when you look at our Congress specifically, they're allowing this to happen. What are they doing to combat this? what type of legislations and I know you talk about maybe they'll deny this package or they'll deny that package and the democrats are giving them a week to vote on the infrastructure package you know what i'm saying like stuff like yeah. that but what are they what are they doing about censorship what are they doing about this massive campaign of censorship or you know what i'm saying they're not the conservatives aren't doing anything and it's well, crazy they can't
1: control the narrative about censorship i mean they bring it up a lot about you know when we go when and i'm using we not just globally, not necessarily talking about myself, but they say when we go to a college to speak, we get blocked. They don't let us speak. And so that narrative is out there, but nobody really, I mean, the media can control the way that narrative is represented. So it doesn't get enough airtime. What you hear is the other side, mostly.
0: right? And the conservatives aren't really doing much to combat that is what I'm saying. And it's frustrating. Yeah. You know, That's crazy. Was uh, Hitler? Was he more progressive? I'm sorry. I probably should know that.
1: Well, national no, Socialism. no. They were conservatives.
0: They were conservatives.
2: They were conservatives.
1: National socialism is a socialist um, philosophy ideology. It's not a conservative philosophy. I mean, in this,
2: if, if you had to choose one, though, they, you would have to put it on the side more conservative. I, I would think at least. I'm, I need to step outside real quick. I'll be back okay. in the 30s.
1: Um Well, the, the thing that I think Jesse's leading to, Paul, is that, well, I don't know if I can even compare this, but I mean, like the, the Nazis were were a socialist ideology, meaning we take over everything and run it from the top. You know the Marxist philosophy is the the workers uh, rebel and the workers take over. So it's basically the group takes over from the bottom, whereas the Nazis believed that the society should be managed from the top—an authoritarian state, a dictator, basically. Okay. Um. And and I mean there are like. Extreme right-wing um, radicals like skinheads, for example, are right, right-wing, right basically. Because they want, um, well, they want a concentration of government controlling everything.
0: But a small government, But in, and then they don't want it to change. So like you said, this, they wanted their type of life to last forever, which obviously should never have happened, and it didn't happen, which is a good thing. And then right. now you have on the, you know, the conservative side or whatever it is, the the Proud Boys and stuff like that. And it shut down almost instantly. And I get that, you know, I mean, but the, I, I don't know. I, don't, I definitely don't want to go down the, the political arena yet too much. Um, so I, I had a quick question. So, like, with, within your book, have you studied um, other countries or even the world in in, in its capacity when you, when you talk about 8 billion people? Does this genetics you know, progressives and, and conservative, conservative, conservatism, I can't even talk tonight. Does it apply to the whole world? Yes. Um, okay. And, and you found that within your, in your research as well. Yeah. Um, does it specifically apply to, let's say, people who are very spiritual? Like, Let's go with like the Buddhas or the monks and stuff like that. Have you done any type of research to see like in their type of environment, people who meditate, that there might be that balance as well?
1: Well, um... I mean, again, if if we look at the conservative morality traits versus liberal, the conservatives are there are four: authority, loyalty, sanctity, which is worship, basically. So, Buddhas and, would be conservative. Right, right. Okay. So, but there, but they're also you know, and I describe this in the book. There ex, there are conservatives who are extreme because a typical person, like I consider myself balanced between those various points of view now, i'm not particularly religious so i don't you know worship objects for example um and i like you know i think authority and loyalty are important but I, I have a balanced point of view but i in the one of the chapters of the book i talk about extreme cases of conservatism where somebody has a huge um sanctity you know uh morality stronger than the other conservative moralities and so like like a monk that would live in a in a in a monastery is an example of extremely high imbalanced sanctity um morality basically and so that's an extreme conservative just like um loyalty uh there's some people who are loyal to an individual and will want to do whatever that individual says you know there were a lot of people like that who worshiped hitler because he represented to them god basically so they they did not have a balanced point of view toward their society it was skewed toward one individual so that was a that's an extreme loyalty, um, foundation, moral foundation. So, yes, there are um, are there uh, liberal monks. Um, I can't answer that for sure, but I I doubt it.
0: No, I think the general description of of how you just put it. I mean, when you lay it out, if you were to go by definition, it seems to me that they would be conservative. Yeah. You know, genetically, when you're talking about that 50% makeup, that's what it would suggest to me. Again, you, you factor in environment and stuff like that, but when you talk There's about There's so it, many
2: other things that, that go into that. yeah. But we're
0: specifically talking genetic. I mean, 50% is a large amount. You know, I think that's extremely yeah. important to talk about. And the studies you've, that you've provided as well is, is, is fascinating. And when you yeah. talk to the average person, they have no idea that this is, this is inherently genetic. And it's in you genetically Granted, it can be shaped, yes, by the environment you live in. But when you are born and the the greatest thing that you, in my opinion, that I've ever heard you say on one of our podcasts was the fact that you were born either progressive or um, conservative. And that that blew my mind. I was like, there's evidence to back that up? That's amazing.
1: Well, let me tell you, it's an interesting story about how that evidence was uh, identified. It was identified through something called twin studies and they took some some smart researchers i think this is the 50s or 60s they studied twins identical twins that uh were their parents died and they were given away for adoption and this one researcher studied i think it was i don't know 1200 twins in denmark or something so you take Two identical twins, their parents die. They both adopted by different families. Then they get together. They're thirty years old, and they get together, and they have all the same interests. They don't have any of the interests of, of her their adopting family. They have the interest. Their in interests are the same as when they were born. Themselves. Now there's there's ver- ver- were variations based on the environments they brought were grew up in, but they were more alike than they were like either of their sets of parents.
0: That's fascinating. And that's important.
1: And and so if it weren't genetic, they'd be very, they would be different. They wouldn't even be able to relate to each other.
2: No, I think that's, that's a crazy, that's a crazy study, but I completely agree with you. And you you see examples of that all over the place uh, whenever it comes to genetics, even in, um, Stuff that's outside of human beings, just like uh, like a snake being hatched out of an egg that's never experienced a moment of life but just immediately knows what to do. How else is that passed yeah. down but genetic memories? We actually had somebody on. I'm trying to remember that specific podcast where we were talking about uh, just – genetic like we are going to react to this because it was passed down to us and maybe we're even like talking about like memories or something like that but no just genetics deal with so much on how we react um to things that that's, that's just how how it is that's why it's
0: important yeah. if 50 percent of your genetic makeup and, I, and i'd be curious to see how they found out that and specific number that you're either a progressive or you're a conservative that's crazy.
2: And is the bigger idea behind the whole thing to kind of get a little humility to the whole big aspect of things to where you can't be so hard nosed about other people's views on the world because you yourself are are kind of stuck in this, too, uh, kind of think, man, that's that, that was a bad way to say that. G- do you get the, the gist on, on what I'm saying there? Like everybody should be a little bit more humble, not so extreme on either end, and have a little bit of like, oh man, I'm I'm me for these reasons. Some I can't even control right now. So I I the odds of me being hundred percent right and this is actually how I need to dictate the world isn't isn't it. Like it it's somewhere in between. So we need to be more open, basically, is what I'm saying with that mentality. I did a horrible job on that, but that's that's what I that's
1: the route I was taking. Well, I don't um <clears throat> I don't think there's enough being talked about regarding this. I mean, the basic narrative right now is that the left says the right is wrong about everything, that they're, you know, old white men who hold down, you know, women and the poor and all that stuff and, you know, white privilege, basically, which is, you know, in five can destroy the white privilege argument because if white privilege really exists, how come there's more poor white people than poor black people? Right. Right. Because if it existed, all the white people would be better off than all the black people. Yeah. D- yeah. And
0: d- yeah. And people will just fail to open up their eyes and just look at just blatant research. One of those points you just provided in that specific instance, granted the white, white population is larger, but still the amount of people who are poor, like, I mean, come on, like, I mean, it's divide and conquer. That's the basic explanation of what these you, people you are need trying to, to do.
2: You need to look at a deeper meaning as as to like yeah. And we've went down that
0: uh, that, that like, path like before. Plenty, plenty of, yeah. So let's plenty let's get time back time a little about, bit into the into the, into the book details. what would you say is the most important uh, genetic ma- makeup of the conservative gene? If you had to put put it on paper, or if you put it in the book, what is the most important? Um, What what I say, the most important, important thing you would say is, is about the conservative gene.
1: This is, this is the theme of the book, Paul. The most important role of conservatives is to keep liberals under control. Number one, that sounds a little bad, by the
2: way, for liberals listening. If they just heard that one little quip, they'd be real upset. (laughs) Elaborate more on that. Well, no, because not not under control. You're talking about balance. It's. I'm
1: talking about keep them from doing too many crazy things because they have a tendency to do crazy things. I I think they're irrational things because they are so focused on caring and fairness and uh, alleviating poverty and inequality. They want everybody in the country to make the same income. They'd like a $50,000 income for everybody in the country because they think if they do that, A, it will work. And then... We will have a fair society, not achievable. So, but I mean, you used to go back to this Congress example. So, uh, Biden wants to spend two trillion on infrastructure. So the say we bet five hundred million or five hundred billion, and then then Biden went to one point seven trillion down for, I think it was two point six actually. Now the Republicans went to one trillion so they're working toward the middle and if the law if the bill passes then we'll have it a you know an infrastructure bill Republicans are basically saying you're spending too much money you're going to bankrupt the country and the things you're spending it on are not the right things you shouldn't be giving unions money you should be building bridges and roads and stuff like that so that's that's an example of the conservatives trying to slow down the progress of the left. The left always wants to go faster. They, for, they want us they want to get rid of all fossil fuels by 2030. Right. No cars, no gasoline, you know.
0: And what I would suggest to people before you continue Mike is is just please do research. And I'm not saying that Mike's 100% right or I'm Because 100%. this is a
2: very I mean you're talking about Let's, something so massive so many variables right to it. like so here, let's right.
0: so so someone's finally doing something about moving forward away from fossil fuels like i'm yeah. completely okay with that but to the extent on how fast they want to do it i'm a little bit of i'm a little bit alarmed you know what i'm saying like you said by 2030 yeah. i think that's pretty steep you know what i'm saying when you think it can about, happen when you think about <laughs> the the yeah it can happen if if it's done correctly by them right what you're saying but i agree with you there needs to be that balance of maybe the conservative gene kicking in and saying hey like hold on wait like not for the not for to keep the big oil alive and keep lining their pockets with money because damn they've probably had a, you know enough time with money but i don't want to go into that aspect but just you know what i'm saying like
2: i, I lost my it's train of thought it's just so a broad it, 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 it is yeah. so much you, so many broad topics like you you're talking about oil and energy and infrastructure and all this, man, you could branch off and talk about each one of them individually is how they need to be talked about and, and like, evaluated. It. It's really hard to just break all that down really simply. Like, well, that's, And, then that's to, just and not to
0: have it done in the, in the next nine years. Like, come on, we've been heavily reliant upon this fossil fuel for a very long time. I agree we need to do something different, but let's take our time. We don't need to, like, climate change. What I'm saying is people do your research, is climate change really real? And I'm not saying that I'm a climate denier or I'm... You it's not get I mean? into any conspiracy. And and and, and, I'm, and I'm, what I'm saying is just do your research. Don't listen to mainstream media. Don't just sit there and watch CNN or Fox or MSNBC and then or you know one American news network or any of that and then hold any truth or value to what they're giving to you. Do your own research. Look at the papers that or even look at Mike's book. He has a lot of research in this book that he is taking out of his time to make sure he's providing And interesting and factual information about this, that's what people need to do to make a judgment and say, hey, do we need to be on electric cars in the next nine years? Do we need to be away from fossil fuels? Is the world really going to end, like Ocasio-Cortez says, by 2030, if we don't do this? Who is a progressive? Those are the types of things people need to be looking at and
2: not just holding those things as truth. But then I think you run into a big issue, too, whenever you start, and and a lot of people you know, think freely on their own and do research on their own on topics. Honestly, not enough do, but still, you know, people do. But then you still have the tribalism issue to where you have to end up siding with one side, even though, okay, so you're like, man, this side's 51% of what I believe in, so now I need to side with this one to get anything done, even though you end up sacrificing, you know, the other 49% on, on the other side, which is, you know...
0: But, and Mike, I'll let you get into this. But yeah, I don't,
2: I don't know if I completely just no, sounded no, like no, an no, idiot there no, 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 with no. that one or not. But, but, but
0: I, but I think what, 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 what I've learned from Mike is, is no matter what that balance is going to find itself and it's going to work itself out. Because, I mean, and if it doesn't, I think you well, see. Well, if it doesn't, then
2: it just doesn't. It's on all of us humans together that it doesn't work but, out. You but know? I think. And then we failed as a, as a species, but.
0: Right. And I don't, and if we do fail, then that is a detriment to the, the genetics that were inherent in us the 50% conservative or the 50%, you know, progressive. I think we don't fail because of that in the books that you describe.
1: The thesis of my fourth book is unless we get back to balance, the country will fail. Absolutely. Our political system will fail because it can't operate this unbalanced. It's never been there before. I mean, that's the point.
2: Do you want to get to the point to where everything, everybody's on such opposite sides that then we start, there's a war, and then we separate, and then the conservatives go to go to one side, and um, you know the the liberals go to the other side, and then now we start governing, you know, ourselves separately, and then the whole thing happens again. Like, is it just? And Johnny Johnny's the first one that brought this up on the podcast. I think as far as this mentality, but he was like, man, one of the bigger issues with our government is just how big it is and the amount of people you have to govern. I know he's actually said this on the podcast with you now that yeah, I think about it. Right. Th- this came with a podcast that, that you had on. Right. So man, let it-
1: me, let me get back to the global warming thing for a minute, because I'm going to a couple of important points. One is <clears throat> sometimes the conservatives do a lousy job at defending their side. Like they're, I mean, Trump basically said he didn't believe in global warming. And that's like a head in the sand position. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't do anybody any good because we should be working on uh, moving to more renewable energy. I Absolutely. think it's a great idea. Absolutely. <clears throat> but what I object to is the fear factor dialogue that you know the world is going to end in 10 years if we don't do anything. I mean, I'm all for moving that direction. Ultimately, it has to be affordable. Um, but you know, new, look at the battery technologies that have been developed for electric cars that didn't exist 10 years ago. So if we keep doing that research, we'll come up with better ways to provide energy and be, we'll be less dependent on fossil fuels and we'll move forward. It's a good thing. And Absolutely. I think global warming, or I don't know about global warming, climate change is always existed as long as the earth's been here so that will happen but i don't i think it's senseless to argue about whether we're causing it or not i think it's a good idea to get renewable energy and get rid of fossil fuels because they're dirty but it takes time to do that
2: and you can't just blatantly rush in and then flip the script because then there's so much change happens that it's um it's too drastic it's it's like Getting out of a hot tub and then jumping into um, an ice-cold lake, basically. Yeah. It's a, too, too extreme. We'll, we'll shock things. It, it might cause casualties or financial, financial stuff, but I can see that. I, I can absolutely see that.
1: So, Paul, what you missed yeah, is so I much. was just basically talking about <clears throat> conservatives sometimes do a bad job of resisting the left because they – they just put their head in the sand and they don't come up with good reasons why something shouldn't be done. They just squawk and that's not a good, they don't make good arguments. So they fail in that regard. No, that makes complete
0: um, sense. Huh? That makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, that and, comes- and, and, and the climate change thing, I'm all for it. <clears throat> I'm a conservative, but I'm for who would not want sustainability, who would not want <clears throat> better energy sources that cost less and eliminate uh, dirty fossil fuel. I think it's a great idea, but you can't snap your fingers and have it happen. It takes a lot of R and D and years to get there.
2: Can I ask you a question about conservative morality in specific? Yeah. Um, that has always kind of bothered me, especially as of lately and where I'm at in, in my life mentally is you have this very conservative, which mainly stems from Americanized, what I would call Americanized Christianity, that fuels a lot of even political mm-hmm. voting on on certain matters of morality, talking about um, the uh, homosexuals <clears throat> being allowed to get married, abortion, those those things. Uh, where I'm at right now is you as an, you as a person can make a decision. To to not do those things, why are you limiting other people from from having a different morality? Like, I don't I don't like that. Man, I'm probably doing a horrible job. No, no, this, no, no you, yeah. you, you were you were hitting it good, man. I don't. Yeah. I don't like the idea that because I believe in something and and I live my life by it, then now it needs to be put onto other people. Kind of thing. It happens on and, both and sides. In conservative, yeah, no, no, it absolutely does. And but it, it's just more prevalent, I think, right now with the conservatives and how they're viewed. And honestly, I, I think if they were able to get over that little stint of man, you're still trying to fight against the things that you don't you see as wrong, well, you don't do them. You don't do them. You can still teach it, you know, go to church, all that, but don't suppress other people from from doing what but they, they feel is best too. And I think that's a big blemish on hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. on the conservative side.
0: But what... Okay, and, that, you, and you may be right, but I think when it comes to, like—well, never mind, never mind,
2: never mind. So I just wanted to—man, I, I I hope—I don't even know if that was in question format for you or not. But do you have any opinions on anything that I just said as far as about conservative morality, whenever—especially stemming from Americanized Christianity, um, and how they vote and everything, and— you know, maybe, maybe, and and I really think that the liberal community has a lot of these morals as far as um gay rights and even abortion, which is really difficult for me. I've said it plenty of times on the podcast. That's a massive gray area one for me. But and, and I've I've had my explanation on that plenty of times, so people who listen knows my full explanation on that. But do you have any opinions
1: on that? Well, I, regarding religion, um, there are more conservatives that are religious than there are liberals.
2: Because they're I more mean, spiritual, the right? Traditional, like Southern they consider themselves more spiritual.
1: The Protestant religions are more conservative, as uh, Mormons are, for example. Catholics are kind of split between the two. Yep. Um, but that's a criticism that re- re- Republicans get heavy criticism for because the left claims, well, you know, they don't they don't believe in in um, in evolution. So if you don't believe in evolution and it's obvious that it exists, then you're ignorant. So they um, accuse the, the conservatives of being ignorant. What that represents though, is that, you know, religious people are traditionalists. So they tend to, you know, I talked about conservatives and tradition. So they, and I feel that I'm that way myself. I'm not particularly religious, but I'm, I think tradition is important because it's the, Standard that you use going forward, and so it can change, but it's the standard until it changes into something else. Versus, nothing is a tradition, you know. Let's change everything. Um, so re- religious people, if they believe in the Bible, for example, they get they want to accept the things that are in it, which come into conflict with, with modern life, with science and people's opinions, and all that. So, but, it- um Go ahead. If
2: if the same people can go out and and are willing to die for the country that, that we live in, which is this idea that you can you have this freedom, right? Freedom freedom of religion and and freedom and now it's freedom to be who you who you feel like you should be as a person. Right. Both should stand stand beside each other and be like, I'm I'm willing to die for your rights to, to be whoever you are the same way that you can. Like that that's, that's my big thing. Like I, I feel like America has gone through this process and and this is a moral. A lot of these are moral. You could get into abortion, which like I said, is a bigger gray area, but some of these other ones is just strictly this man. I'm going to, I'm going to fight so you can live the way that you can live and you should be able to live the way that you live too, even though I disagree with you, but we're both going to, you know, and we don't have to, nobody's ever going to completely get along. Obviously. I mean, this is a main theme. Um, that you can see trending with the podcast that we have with you. But I would just like to see a little bit more, like somebody's at, at some point going to have to give a little bit. You know what I mean? And I think I think the easier one is especially for conservatives to kind of uh, just let, let these, which I think is going to happen in the future anyway. By the way, I think it's really trending this way, that it's going to happen to where um, all the... Kind of the liberal morals as far as what's anti-Christian, Americanized Christianity, which goes against that. Uh, as for, I'll just take homosexuality as an example. It's going to be very much more accepted. You know, they're going to be able to get married whenever they want. I think that's a great thing. Um, but I think if they just gave up on, on don't fight so hard for that, and then focus on what conservatives do really well, which is the infrastructure part. And the foreign affairs portion of it, and the managing of government, we like the conservatives do better. I think that that would end up shining and be more beneficial. You, you, that's that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion.
0: Well, before you go into that, I but, <laughs> and, and I I agree with a lot of what you just said, and and this is me, and, I, and again, I know you don't want to go down the conspiracy route at, at all, really. But I mean, in, in my opinion, the government's way past. I mean, I don't really. I know that the like what your books describe those types of things are inherent in who, who is running our country. But at the same time, I don't really think that that plays a role into how our country is ran. Honestly, that's just my opinion because I think these people are cyclical and they're just going to do whatever it is that they want to do anyways. I don't think there's really progressives or conservative views, you know, at all that are, that's overarching that's controlling what, what
2: uh, type of scope that we live in. I'm, I'm going to switch it up and go, go back a little bit here. Let, let me ask you a direct question. Do you think it's more important to base your vote on a candidate's moral issue, let's say uh, abortion, uh, homosexuality, um, things of that nature, whether or not they're right or wrong, or if you are voting strictly for infrastructure, foreign affairs, um, military, you you know, all, all the other things that not – Obviously, those are moral issues, too. I, I think, do you understand what I'm saying, like the difference? Yeah. Like the actual well, fundamental think, I, I mean, core portion, me, <clears throat> like um, what should be voted on first? Those, those moral problems? Um, or what matters? Or, or what, in my opinion, what, what's much more important is the actual structure of our government, which is being voted on as far as money being spent, um, how we're seen by other countries, th- things of that matter. Because I think that's, that's, that's a bigger that's, that's a bigger thing. Well,
1: me, I'm but. more of a moderate than a conservative because I'm conservative economically, but not socially, morally. I mean, I don't care. <clears throat> I don't have a problem with same-sex marriage. I don't care. If they, they want to do that, that's fine. I'm not going to vote for a candidate who is trying to get same-sex marriage overturned. So that's many- not going to be my consideration. I'm going to vote for a person who I think is going to protect my tax money i don't because i don't want social security to disappear and all that stuff i i you know i want the government to be careful about how it spends money yeah, it already spends too much so you know I'm, I'm a little bit libertarian there because i yeah. think that a bloated bureaucracy is inefficient and wastes money 28 Th- trillion in debt
0: this 20, is 28 trillion in debt just
2: right something now. that bothers me and obviously we're in the bible belt but if we had a, uh, a candidate in, in the Midwest that the main thing he ran off was was pro-life and every other thing, and let's just say, okay, he's, he's the presidential candidate, yeah. and his main thing was pro-life and everything else he said would run the economy into the ground, I guarantee you, you would have so many evangelical Christians who basically like run the votes in the Midwest still vote for him over that one issue and will not look at any other, any other uh, political, socioeconomic thing outside of that. Oh, are you pro-life You are you uh, uh, pro-choice? So that's a problem. Oh, so that's th- – I'm, I'm voting for you because that's th- – this is my standard. That's so, the only thing they look at. So that's a problem. And with, that's what bothers me is what I'm saying. So that's the yeah. problem with the conservative. Nobody looks any deeper. That's the Lester. issue with the conservative gene yeah. is how loyal they are when yeah. it comes to a specific subject. And, and it's this one thing, and they're so hard-nosed about it. I know so many, so many, Mike that literally it doesn't matter anything else they speak on. Oh, as long as as long as you're uh pro life, then then I'm voting for you. Because that's the most important thing in in their opinion. But what we would actually find is, man, man, some other stuff back behind the lines could literally burn the entire country down. But it wouldn't matter because it lined up with your morality. Right. You know, as you watch it burn. It but,
1: you, it's very hard to vote for people on economic issues because they flip-flop once they get elected. Oh,
2: no. You're, so, once you absolutely, so, so absolutely you're, right. Right, you're, you're left absolutely with right on that.
1: Hot button issues like abortion and stuff that that determine who people vote for. I, I you know, they people should be voting for morality to me. I agree.
0: So that goes back to what I said. The government
1: culturally changes. It is you the, shouldn't,
0: but the government is the exception to the rule. On your three books, Mike, and your fourth one as well, they're the exception to the rule because they can sit there and, and they get voted on what you just said, and then they flip flop and do something completely different. Because you know what it's about when it comes to politics. It's about what's lining your pocket and whatever it is that it is, whatever it is that they think how the country should run. And I'm sure that conservative and progressive genes run up in that upper echelon. But I don't think that you see it in the way that it's described in your books. I think it's something that I don't know. I don't really know how to explain. And also w- within America's um, fabric, you see these same hot topics being talked about for hundreds of years. We're still debating these same subjects, and they're and, and so I don't necessarily under think that it's a pro- you know progressive or a conservative gene type of thing. It's just the government knows that they can control
1: us with these subjects. Well, you made a, a good point, Paul, because. There's this issue with you know I always talk about liberals being focused on caring and fairness, so they they worry about equality and poverty and all that. Is is that an expression of a liberal morality, or is that the expression of the Democratic Party line, which they've had for 80 years now? So has it become a political thing only? So they know that by saying we support equality and minimum income we'll get X amount of votes and we'll stay in power because it's really all about power. Right. So
0: doesn't power and
1: money drive have driven ever, you know, power has driven mankind since he started on the earth. Money didn't come in until money was invented and then it became a way to get power.
0: Yeah. Well, we, we, we've hit a lot about the conservative gene. And I know you wanted to get a little bit into one of the topics that Jesse kind of talked about. Did
2: you, did we hit
0: that at all? I I think
2: we did actually. We did. But I'll I'll hear if Mike thought that same thing. Well, let's just
1: get back to that for a second, because Jesse's concern was, is it hopeless because the two sides can't get together? They're so so separated. They're so
2: separated now. No, they're, right. they're so separated, and, and it's been trending in this direction for so long, and now it's got to come to a head at some point. I almost wish I could see like the clip of me saying what I said to so, where on. I could
0: verify it. But So, so w- whenever you look at—okay, so whenever you, you have Dan on, he talks about the freest country in the world, and he, d- he describes it as the United States. Now, whenever you go to China, it's very you know dictatorship or authoritarian or Marxist right. or whatever you want to say. In your opinion, we still are the, the freest country in the world?
1: Yeah, or, I would say yeah.
2: Okay. Because, okay. Yeah. So no, so no you're good. You can going can explain that. But so, I, so, I would disagree. So when
0: but. you when you look at these other countries, whenever it comes to progressive or, or conservative genes, it doesn't really matter the genetic makeup in those countries because the it's just like it was back in the Enlightenment or even before that, there are basically dictators or kings, right?
1: Yeah, but there aren't many dictatorships left. Okay. Right? What There's is it? Like Korean three, North Korean there's three communist countries: Korea, uh, is China, or North Korea, China, and Iran, Laos, or one of the one of the other Southeast Asian or Southwest Asian countries. I don't remember. It's a small list okay. because
2: it doesn't work, right? Dictatorship doesn't right. work, right? But what right. I'm saying it's is- at some point that crumbles underneath itself. You you flip the hierarchy way too quick. You piss off the people that are running everything. And they're going to come in and eat you at some point. Like that's yeah. that's what's happened. But, what with I'm saying every, but whenever you like,
0: look at China or even any any other countries like those people really don't have a choice is what I'm saying. Like they have to go one way. Granted, they still have those type of genes in their body. They don't have an option to express the way that they feel. Oh, if whether they, or not
2: they're conservative or liberal doesn't matter in those. countries. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, like the, yeah. yeah. yeah they're just they're just trying to get bread for the day to feed their family. Right. is what they're worried about. They don't have, they don't have time to think about moral issues and how their government should be ran. <laughs> like you're just trying to live. But when you like, talk about the freest country, basic when
0: you talk about the freest country and we're here in the United States, we still we 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 can express those ideas and we still don't get along. So I, I you know I'm I'm at a loss too like the United States is a weird one.
2: We're we're kind of a weird one. I'll I'll say that.
0: So I guess what I'm saying is in your research or in your book do you do you Can you observe large populations being able to coexist in this type of environment with genetic makeup when it comes to conservatives and progressives?
1: I don't think it's ever happened before.
2: With this and amount it, of and population? It, there's, there's, and probably, there's
1: no data. Okay. Do,
2: I mean, do you um, think it ever can happen? Or is that almost like a fallacy to even think that it can? Because what, it, it's we, almost necessary to the polar opposites.
1: Um, yeah, but but up until now, the polar opposites have been able to communicate and now they, now they don't, so that's this is a unique time in history. Now, let me suggest something that could work. If you look at the left, you have liberals left of center and the progressives are left of them. And the Democratic Party is really run by progressives right now. You know, Joe Biden made a deal with the devil. So AOC and all that group, that's where all these billions of dollars of spending have come from, their ideas. Joe is, used to be sort of a centrist, but he's not behaving that way. But my point is the traditional liberal wants to communicate with conservatives. They don't like what's happening and they're kind of being timid themselves the way that conservatives are timid. But if you do um, polls and you ask traditional liberals, do they like the fact there's tribalism, they say no. So they're willing to communicate to with the right. We just got to see how to make that happen. Maybe, the, maybe the liberals have to get fed up with with progressives, or all these programs have to fail. And I mean, I, in a way, in a way, I think that the Democratic Party's digging itself a big hole for 2022 because everybody is sitting and looking at all these expenditures, and they're going like, "Where is this money coming from?" And it's too extreme.
0: Hundred percent, man. So,
1: and when people, you know, people get react to economic issues if they think it's going to hurt them. So, we'll see.
0: Well, well, we're uh, we're a little bit over the top of the hour. We're at like an hour and nine minutes, but uh, we'll we'll leave it with a couple of questions. I mean, I know I have one last. Man, question. I have so
2: many. I have. I mean,
0: it, it, it's, it's, I mean,
2: it's a lot, but yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you know I, I, know you, I got one. Can... I, again, we just don't like to go too long. I mean, we can, go, we can continue to go and split it up or we can in, in upload it in its entirety. It doesn't really bother me. But, I mean, um, there's just a lot of good information that we we just went over. You know what I'm saying? And I want to keep yeah. the, the attention of the person if they look at a two-hour podcast. Some might watch it, but others might. Some might skip to different parts. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. Whatever you want to do, I'm down with. Um, I mean, Mike, how are you feeling?
1: Well, I ask your questions, and I think then we'll stop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so my specific question, I know it's a deep one. This is going to be a very deep question. If you, and I know you said you're not a religious man, and and nor am I, but I do believe that there is a God. Uh, What that God is, I'm not entirely sure. If it's a he or she or an it, or it's an entity, or we're all God. But if you had to put it in terms, is God the balance of this genetic makeup, or is God progressive, or is he conservative, or
2: is it conservative, God? Oh, man, I'm going to go take a piss on that one that's such a weird uh
1: <clears throat> <laughs> well i don't think you can ascribe human traits to god so i don't think there's there's no way to answer the question so there is a reason to think about it
0: fair enough it's just something that popped in my head during the podcast it was just like man I, this is just i feel like it's an interesting question and that's an even better answer to the question <laughs> well,
1: and i think to be honest um Paul, I think everybody in the United States is religious. Depends on how you define it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. These tree-hugging environmentalists, their God is the environment. Their God is the earth. It's not the same God as going to church, but it's a God. Because I think it's human nature to be, confused is the wrong word, to be uncertain or unsure or unhappy about why we're here you know because we don't i mean we're the only creature on the planet who's developed a brain to the point where we can think about ourselves you know why did we why do we exist how did we get consciousness that allows us to think about who we are and so it's like why are we the only ones here? Who? Where do we come from? Those are questions that are disturbing to mankind because they don't what's the explanation? You know.
0: Your answer so- your answer was great, man. That that was that was the best way to look at it. I agree completely. I was just I was just I had to ask. What you got for Mike, man?
2: Oh man, now I need to come up with
0: something. I mean, I mean, is there a question throughout the podcast you, that you want oh, to ask? Oh man,
2: it? so many. There, there was just a lot of branching. Maybe, maybe not so much questions, but just topics that I want to talk about with you. Man, I don't know. You, you got another one to fill the space so I can maybe <laughs> think think of. I, I know you actually you write some stuff down, man. Well, oh, no, good for I, you. I typically
0: don't. Just tonight there was two questions, and I asked both questions, and I was able to to have those questions with Mike, and he answered both of them.
1: Let me um, go on with your guide thing for just a minute. Yeah. Paul, if it's okay, because yeah. so a little Absolutely. bit off topic, but it's interesting. I've been reading a lot about ancient man. Like I read a whole book about the Neanderthals who were a separate species from Homo sapiens. They died out in 40,000 BC, but for a couple hundred thousand years, they both species existed. And so the Neanderthals were primarily in Europe and Homo sapiens later, but I thought it was very interesting to read that until a hundred thousand years ago, human beings didn't bury their dead. And I think it's fascinating because what they did before that is they just, if somebody died, they just left them laying there. But at this point, a hundred thousand years ago, our brain had developed to the point where we were contemplating the afterlife. And people said, Hey, when my mother dies i'm gonna bury her and prepare her for the next life so the brain human brain had not had the capability of thinking that until a hundred thousand years ago and yes. you can measure by the fact that then they started burying people now part of it was i'm sure they didn't want their bodies uh desecrated like have animals eat them or anything but then it turned into tradition you know, respect for the dead respect for my heritage my family and so like something turned the brain on to think that and so humans never thought that before
2: do you think that 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 ever that idea of the afterlife is a reflection upon our own ego so much to where we can't let go of us and we feel as though we're so important that we need to make sure that this continues because like this is such a blessing to the universe and Oh man, if this goes away, then who knows what trouble everything else is going to get into? Like, unless it's represented or remembered or, you know, a legacy happens.
1: I was talking to Paul about while you were out. I think the answer is that we, it's uncomfortable for us to think we're the only ones and this is it. That there, there has to be. What is the meaning of life, basically?
2: Yeah, that's the big one, right? That's that's, the, that's big one. the
1: big one. And so, people seek an answer to that question. And then, the next question always is, and this relates to the value of religion: Why is life unfair? You know, why do, why does a five-year-old get cancer and die, and and another five-year-old doesn't? So there's the, what is the meaning of life and why is life not fair? That's the argument against God. The main argument, because if he's God, the the Bible, God. God,
0: the Bible, God.
1: Yeah. 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 Why does he let that happen? Why does he let the good suffer and the evil prevail?
2: You end up creating a lot of nihilists through that thought process. A, where, you know, you get some Nietzsche's, you I, know. I feel like yeah. we did. Did we even ask um,
0: that question? Did we hit that with Cutter Calloway? Did we hit that question? I don't know. Because he was an, an evangelical Christian who came on the show, and him and Jesse kind of... It was just him and Jesse podcast, not
2: me and Johnny. But. It was actually not not that exciting. It was not exciting it, as that I wanted yeah, that one to be, but... him and Jesse kind of... He was a very liberal, very liberal um, Christian. Christian. Yeah. Which is almost redundant, in my opinion, a little bit. I mean, you can be, but there is... There are some things that that are in the Bible that are very straightforward, and this is what this is, and it's undeniable, but people somehow cherry-pick their way around it. That's what I'm saying. I don't even want to go down the— People can always do that.
0: I don't want to go down the route of the the concept of the Bible when you talk about um, the meaning of life. You know what I'm saying? Because those are books, and I know they were found, and, you know, they're documents, and you talk—you
2: know what I'm saying? I just don't—I like the idea of just, like— what are you about to say? I haven't smoked enough pot to really even s- start up philosophical questions. Yeah, we're, if we're yeah, sticking yeah. political, if if I knew that we were going to get into some philosophical stuff, I would have, I would have smoked a, a yeah. joint before the podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that always helps for some reason. That
0: well, that always helps. Well, I, I think we're about to end it here. So, do you have any last questions for my? Oh man, I I wish I would
2: have thought of one.
1: Write them down and
2: save them. Yeah, I know. I need to do what Paul did this well, time. No, he's, no, I feel like he's cheating. He's literally has got all this written down. No, over no, here. no, no, I no, no. Even this do is that. this is my
0: this is my date book with the guests we have coming on each and every single week. To the right of the date, I just had asked you two questions. I've never done He's that. He's still
2: before. more prepared than me. That's d- all I'm saying. He was more prepared for the question. Well, how about this? How about this? End of this?
0: I'm sure you, Mike would be okay with me giving him your number, and you guys can exchange types of topics via text or whatever. You, sure. I, I don't if, care. if you want to do that, you know what I'm saying. I don't, I don't,
2: yeah, I don't care. I just don't have any good questions. We bounced around a lot, and I almost want to go back to initially what we were talking about. But I just, I, I don't have any questions right now. So. Okay.
0: So, uh, Mike, I know before the podcast we talked about, you have launched your own type of history, type of podcast. Where can people find it? Where can people find your book? Both of those will be in the, the descriptions below, but it's still nice to hear it from you.
1: Yeah, um, my books are on Amazon, um, both uh, the paperback and the ebook. Um, under just Michael C. Anderson, you can find them, or the titles. And my podcast is I have a blog also Mike Anderson's books.com where I write uh, articles and my books are explained there. And then I have locals.com and the topic there is politics and morality. So I write articles there and do podcasts about my books basically.
0: Fantastic. And, And I know you had sent me the link to that before, so I'll be able to find that link. I'll put it in the description below as well. Um, Mike's our mics. We are on the mics. But Mike, thank you for joining, man. It's always a pleasure to have you on. It's always, always great. It is, always, man. man. there's a reason okay. Jesse says you're his favorite. Uh, you really are, yeah, man. <laughs> to have on the show, <laughs> man. You're a great guy, Anytime. man.
1: We, we can get into it. I, I love it. I love it. Anytime we talk about the meaning of life, sometime or yeah, yeah. no aliens. What we were said.
2: supposed to do one on aliens. We never, we never did. If I remember right now, yeah, yeah we never we can, did one on aliens. We can hit that up. We can hit it up next
0: time, man. Yeah. We're eventually, and Jesse and Johnny aren't ready for this, but there's going to be a point in time where we're going to have to do more than one podcast a week. I'm not going to put that on them right now, but at the rate that I'm going, we're going to have too many guests, and I can't book like three three months in advance out. It's going to have to be a couple podcasts right. a week. So he's giving me that look. I'm
1: announcing my retirement will... tonight, so. <laughs> just kidding. they will stuff. increase your audience faster. Yeah, for sure. Theoretically. theoretically. having Volume, more content. I mean,
2: that makes mathematically, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks as okay, always, guys.
0: Man. Have a good night, my man. All right. See you later. Mike. Cheers.
2: Have a yep.
0: good night. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Anderson joining Talk Junkies, another great podcast. Fantastic, enjoyable. Um, just great, great man, man. He's a
2: truly a, a genuine individual. Fantastic, deep thinker, really trying to get to like the nitty gritty of things, you know? Yeah. Like he's he's really wanting wanting to ask the good questions to to get to some stuff, man. And again, it's the, the type of thing that people don't think about. If you were to yeah. go
0: to a uh, price chopper and let's say you're walking around and you go up to someone and say, Hey, like, did you know that genetically you're 50% either conservative or progressive? They'd be like, what is that? They'd be like, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. But like, no, no, no. R- research and, and studies show that when you were born, there's a 50, like 50% of you is going to say minus your environment that you're either this way or that way. And there's a balance of nature. People would be like, I don't know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. It's very important no, stuff. Like you just said, it's crazy. It is a crazy thing. Oh man, I meant to ask him about predestination. That that was the question that there I was coming is. up with. Because that's a very predestinative um idea as far as genes go. And if in yeah. Like anyway. God had already predestined those time. genes. Yeah. For the next time. For the next time I was I'll I will ask Mike Anderson about predestination. Mike hung up on. so
0: Jesse and I are seeing each other on the TV. It's pretty cool, man. So like it's like we're talking to ourselves right now while Jesse looks at his belly. I'm
2: so fat. <laughs> I'm so fat.
0: I'm right. I'm not as, but it's I'm right there, man. Worse. I just got. I always wear a hoodie so people can't see it. But um, I, okay. again, like I'll say at the beginning yeah. of the video, <laughs> the best thing you guys can do is share this video, like this video, and subscribe to Talk Junkies, man. We're, we're coming at you hard. I'm always looking for great people to join our podcast. Um, I just want to spray, spread great. No- spray. He wants to
2: spray great knowledge <laughs> all over y'all's faces. Yeah, spray. Just kneel down and get ready for the knowledge that Paul is about to spray <laughs> over all y'all. <laughs> Get ready for it. Get ready for it. To all our junkies out there. Stay flying. Ring the bell. <laughs>